was over before either army commander understood what had happened. It is hard to imagine a more bitter clash. Nearly 1,000 of 3,200 southerners engaged, and some 800 of 3,000 northerners fell, fighting for a single ridge. Perhaps a quarter of the Union losses were caused by the fire of other frightened Federals, a pointed reminder of the hazards of exposing raw troops to battle without the support of veterans. Ayuka also demonstrated the difficulty, given the uncertain communications of the time, of coordinating a joint tactical operation of two forces separated by more than a few miles. Grant tried and failed to crush Price between the jaws of a pincer made of Edward O.C. Ord's and William Stark Rosecrans's commands. Price's escape from Rosecrans's front occasioned a falling out between Grant and Rosecrans that ultimately wrecked the military career of the latter. I cannot think of any other Civil War battle in which the attackers fought under more oppressive conditions than at Corinth. Van Dorn roused his troops before daybreak, marched them eight miles, and then threw them immediately into battle. For eight hours the Confederates attacked in one hundred degree heat, without food and with scarcely a drop of water. The Confederate assaults on Batteries Robinette and Powell the following day stand among the fiercest of the war and among the few in which the fighting became hand-to-hand. The forgotten fight at Davis Bridge on the Hatchie River, in which the Federals bungled one of their best chances to obliterate a southern army, also was unusually cruel. In two hours, five hundred Yankees were gunned down on a half-acre wide tuck of riverbank. I also found the 1862 Northern Mississippi campaign fascinating for the personalities involved. Overblown egos played a large part in the results. A more ludicrous character in high command than Earl Van Dorn is hard to imagine, and his preference for solo performances over cooperation doomed the Confederates from the start. Remarkable, too, is the squabbling between Grant and Rosecrans that emerged from victory. Egged on by their staffs, they engaged in a sometimes comic battle of wills that poisoned relations between them, the two principal northern generals in the West, during the middle period of the war. A final word on Grant. At the time of Ayuka and Corinth, he was still under a shadow for his near defeat at Shiloh. General-in-Chief Henry Halleck mistrusted and would have been pleased to shelve him, and President Lincoln had not yet come to appreciate his talents. Had the North lost at Corinth, Grant may have been returned to the obscurity of a Galena, Illinois leather goods store. Chapter 1 Six and a Half Feet of Missouri Soil There was a festive air in Memphis, Tennessee, the second week of April 1862, a gaiety that seemed to mock at Southern misfortune. The week before, 11,000 Confederate soldiers had been lost at Shiloh, and the Army of the Mississippi, which was to have swept the Mississippi Valley clean of Yankees, nearly wrecked. The Army had marched into Tennessee from Corinth, Mississippi, to attack Federal forces and camped 19 miles away at Pittsburgh Landing, Tennessee. The resultant Battle of Shiloh was to have been the first encounter of a lightning offensive leading to the Ohio River. 
Instead, the Confederates found themselves back in Corinth. Home to Tennessee would come to be their rallying cry. But for the moment, the stunned and sullen survivors of Shiloh could see no farther than the headlogs of the earthworks they were constructing around Corinth. Memphis was just ninety-three miles west of Corinth, and the victorious northern army of Major General Ulysses S. Grant was hardly more distant. But the war was young, and Memphis was still free of Federals. What was lost did not seem irretrievable, and much might yet be won. Of more immediate concern, the town was playing host to a celebrity, Major General Sterling Price. Shiloh had killed Albert Sidney Johnston and humiliated Pierre G.T. Beauregard, making Price one of the South's few heroes. A large crowd was on hand when the steamer carrying Price and a regiment...